0: nervous like when's that guy gonna call or when's that person gonna see me again what did that text mean so they're being emotionally hijacked so if you know that that's something you might do or you go on a date and you're going to start to feel attached or you're going to get anxious of over analyzing a text then you're almost setting yourself up to find a different way to respond before the situation occurs
1: Talia and welcome to the Rebel Love Podcast where each week I'll bring you a new episode exploring love, sex, relationships and money. Join me as together we question, explore and strive to understand. Hey everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Rebel Love Podcast. Today, my guest is Nicole Haley, a dating and love coach from Canada. Whether you're just starting your journey to find love, you've been dating unsuccessfully for years, or you have the desire to spark the passion in your current relationship, Nicole uses her 20 years of counseling and coaching experience to help ignite inner transformation within her clients so they can fully embody confidence and the belief that they're worthy of happiness and love. Hi, Nicole. Welcome. Hello.
0: Hello. Nice to be here. Thank you.
1: We've actually worked before. Well, I don't know if you can say work before, but we've had Mm -hmm. interviews before and you are always a pleasure to speak with. So thanks so much for coming back. It's great to have you again.
0: Thank you. Yeah. It's good times.
1: Um, Before we get started, I'd love it if you could share with our audience a little bit about yourself and your journey to where you Mm -hmm. are now and how you became Mm -hmm. a coach.
0: Yeah. You know that movie where girls, like, lose it? I have one of those moments. I was um, in my early 30s, and I had been in this relationship that I thought would go the distance. So I had a lot of girlfriends getting married and having babies, and I had been in some some short, long-term relationships, but I finally thought I met the guy. I met him online. He was amazing. Took him to see some family friends out on this trip. And as we're driving back and we're starting to pack the car because we were there for about ten days, I said, Hey, what should we do for dinner? And he's like, You know, Nicole, I actually just wanna be your friend. And I was like, what? And it caught me so off guard. And it was that moment where I began that became that girl, like kicked the tires of his car. I threw all my clothes on the yard. Like I like lost. I became crazy. And it was in that crazy moment that I realized, Oh my gosh, I don't have this figured out. And I had that heaps of shame and guilt and embarrassment that I'm now in my thirties and my girlfriends are having babies and I still haven't figured out how to have this long-term relationship go the distance. And I was like, I have got to figure this missing piece. Like other areas in my life are really going well. And so I kind of like, buried myself away, didn't want to tell anybody what happened. And it really began that journey of really understanding men. Because I thought, you know, if I can understand men and the way they think, why they commit, why they cheat, why they lose interest, what is it about men and the way they think I could solve the problem. But what I discovered along the way that had so much to do with my own personal belief about myself, and my own belief about love and my own beliefs about what was possible. And so as much as I believe and what I help my clients find is understand the opposite sex, that if you don't understand yourself and self-love and values, there will always be a disconnect. You need both. You need to really value who you are and be able to set boundaries and speak your truth. And you also need to understand the opposite sex. So there's this blend of both. And so that's what that journey began. And and then I ended up coaching a lot of women around that because I was coaching them on how to have confidence and self-love and all that yumminess, but what they kept saying is I got this in all areas of my life except in my love life. And so that's where it all really began to shift. But it was this own journey of really uncovering a lot of these elements that we'll probably talk about today.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I love our topic today. We're actually going to talk about stop feeding the saboteurs that are uh, hijacking your love life, which is yeah. exactly what <laughs> you were opening mm-hmm. with. So um, so yeah, let's see if we can actually. Um, uncover this. So before we get into like the nitty gritty of how, you know, why we're hijacking our life, what Mm -hmm. are some saboteurs that Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I I don't, I guess are common. What are some common saboteurs? Yeah.
0: So there is about 10 of them. We have one that's a real main one and it's that inner critic voice that really kind of hijacks how we feel about ourselves. I call mine like that inner bitch (laughs) that voice that no matter what you do it's always like you could have done better you should have done that why did you say this and then there's always like accomplices that come along with that inner voice and so that's kind of like your judge and so there's nine of them and so some of them are like your victim the controller a pleaser the avoider hyper rational um you've got like the hyper vigilant so there's a whole bunch that kind of show up and when you start identifying which ones are coming along then you can start seeing how they're really like hijacking you in essence around your love life and how you respond to situations, and why we are reacting a certain way, and how do we feel and take back that power so we're not always feeling so hopeless in these moments or just feeling emotionally spun out.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so what are some indicators that we've been hijacked? Because I'm I'm sure that we don't go. You know, if we were all that self-aware, then I think, yeah. you know, we, would, we wouldn't have any problems. Totally, <laughs> I think, totally. I think we go through kind of like waves in life where sometimes you're really on it and you're really aware and you're listening to your intuition and, you, you know, you're actually like walking around with open mm-hmm. eyes. I mean, mm-hmm. in the context of looking at your own behavior. And mm-hmm. then other times there's, you know, problems where we might be engaging in destructive behavior, like drinking mm-hmm. too much or, you know, whatever your vice is. So how do we, yeah, well, how does it manifest the hijacking? Yeah. Uh, what are the indicators?
0: So let's let's pick one. So let's say, for example, the stickler. So the stickler has got like this real need for perfectionism and has this real critical sense on self and on others. So you might find yourself like I had a client and we discovered hers is the stickler. And so she's on a date. She goes to his house and she's already noticing kind of like the lights aren't really low. He doesn't have a really great atmosphere. There's no candles. The music's not really playing and she's already judging him Because in her mind, it needs to be a certain way. She has this need for like almost a level of perfectionism, a stickler. And then she comes in the kitchen. He's preparing the meal. And she knows that the salad's got way too much water in it. So already she's like turned off. Like she's already being hijacked. Because that stickler's coming in being like, what kind of guy is he? He doesn't even have these put together. He doesn't have the lights. He doesn't have the mood. So that moment had she not done the work, she's being hijacked already, like missing the moment, missing the fact that this man's really trying his best. He's probably got got this great energy. Maybe he forgot about the candles. Maybe didn't have time. He was running late. Maybe his CD player wasn't quite working or his iPod or whatever it might be. But in that moment, she doesn't see any of it. She's just going into that judgment. And so we can get hijacked in these little ways. And so there's ways to get around it. Another example could be like a controller, and that controller will show up, and it'll be like if you're on a really great date and you're hoping to see him again. You're like, so when am I going to see you? So is it going to be like this week, or like, or is it on Wednesday? Like I just need to know. Like it's like, or should I plan in or not have plans? Cause my girlfriend's going to ask me out. So when when would I be knowing that we'd be getting together? Like. Controlling the situation, or maybe he just uh, is going out, and they're on the phone, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go out this weekend," and she's like, "Oh, with who? And where are you going? And and who's gonna be there?" Like, kind of wanting to see it, so she'll find herself kind of controlling the situation. So we'll get hijacked in these little subtle ways that really pull us out of our authentic self, essentially. And so these saboteurs are come from like a neurological brainwave in a sense of like our survival, and so they're all. Come from a very young age, it's not thing wrong, but it's like they're not serving us now. It's like they kind of aren't purposeful. And when we were little, they probably helped us really manage life and to be able to perceive what was going on. But now, as an adult, they kind of hinder us from really being our authentic self and trusting ourselves and really believing in our ability, like you said, our intuition and our sense of sage or higher self, our wisdom. And so, when you start to see these moments, that's when you can be like, oh, Wait a minute. This isn't what I really want to feel, or this doesn't feel. I feel off, and that's when you can start to see them.
1: And how do we, like, if we're in that um, situation where we notice that we have been hijacked, (laughs) which I guess would take a lot of work to get to that stage as well. But let's say we do notice. um, How do we? Mm -hmm. How do we bring ourselves back to our authentic? Yes.
0: So hijack could be anything where you start to feel like that negative emotion. So it's like that guilt. It's the shame. It's anger, it's resentful, it's bitter, it's any of those negative emotions. And it's not that those emotions are bad, but it's when we stay there and we kind of ruminate there or we get stuck there and we kind of build, you know, when you get the story even bigger. So like that client who's um, at the dinner party or at that guy's house for dinner. And now she sees that the candles and the musical, now she's like thinking a story about him. Like, he's probably not this great guy. He's probably always like this. Is he even considerate? Is he even thoughtful? Like, why would he not have this? Like, she's making a story. (laughs) So instead of just identifying these negative emotions, these feelings, and then switching it, we tend to stay and we start making the stories. And that's when we find ourselves off. And so when you start to feel those negative emotions, there's a few different ways to shift it because what you're trying to do is change your neurological pathway in your brain because you've already got a pathway in your brain that's really easy right and so we're trying to rewire it to think something different to respond differently and it's with practice and this is why it's called like mental fitness it's like you're building this mental fitness muscle to really see a situation differently and so one of the things like once you start to notice, oh i'm in a negative space or i'm feeling like resentful in this moment one of the ones is you can do is rubbing your fingers so gently. So it's like mindfulness and you're just rubbing like your thumb and forefinger so gently you can feel the ridges on your fingers. And what you're doing in that moment and you just take like five breaths or you're just taking that moment, you're stopping that thought process in the moment. So when you start to feel that anger, when you start to feel frustrated, when you start to feel upset, if you can notice that feeling and then just pause, it gives that moment for your brain to be like, oh, wait a minute, I don't have to go down this path and make a story. I could stop and maybe start looking at it differently. And there's different ways you can now start looking at these situations.
1: I like that. So so you notice what's happening and then you interrupt that pattern by rubbing your forefinger and your thumb together and breathing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's a really simple tool that you can literally use. Simple, totally. Mm -hmm. And there's
0: another one you can do too. Like you could listen. Listen right so in that moment so with that client in that house she could like say maybe she rubs her finger fair enough or maybe she could have just listened in that moment to like see if she could hear the sounds outside on the street to hear if she could hear like the food cooking in the oven like even just being audible like listening for like five breaths if you're more audible right not so much tactile right it could be visual where all of a sudden you're looking really intently at something um so you might even have like your phone you might be just really feeling the texture of your phone case or looking at the color of it all you're doing in that moment for five breaths is really interrupting your thought process, which is so trained to create a story to respond so that you can start looking at it differently. And it starts to shift and it starts to take back your power mm-hmm. and you start to create a different experience because that's mostly what we're all trying to do is create this happiness in this way of feeling peace and calm and energized. But the way to get there is to stop the story <laughs> mm-hmm. and to stop the story to create something different.
1: Mm, yeah, that's really, really good advice. I remember when I went to a counselor like years ago now, and I was frustrated with my partner at the time, and he just kept doing this particular thing. I actually can't even remember what it is now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I remember <laughs> Yeah, it was it was really frustrating and it kept happening. And I remember my therapist saying, I want you to try this weekend. Mm-hmm. I want you to try just not reacting. You can mm. still feel the feeling of yeah. being frustrated but I want you to just to see what happens if you don't react and just try it on for the weekend. Just try it on. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I can do that. And I could not believe it because because she was like, you know, as we all know, you are only in control of your own behavior. You cannot right. control somebody else as much as sometimes you want to. You cannot. You yeah. So she was like, you know, you're in control of your behavior so you can still feel the feelings, just don't respond. And I could not believe it. I was like, it happened like many times. And I would just by doing that exercise, I was so much more aware of it and mm-hmm. aware of my role in it. Mm -hmm. And how I could control how I felt, not how he felt and he was behaving, but by me not reacting, the whole situation changed Mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and that relationship didn't end up working out, (laughs) but, but I learned a lot from that exercise. It was so incredibly helpful for me. And I'm, I feel like what the, the tools that you're giving are similar in that way of like, hey, stop and interrupt it. So you can kind of be brought back to the reality of the situation.
0: Yeah. And I love what you're saying. It's like in that moment, you learn so much about yourself. And I really Mm -hmm. believe like every relationship we're in, whether it's platonic, friendship, family, or romantic is a container to learn more about ourselves. It's an opportunity to keep going deeper in understanding ourselves, understanding that self-love, that empathy that sometimes feels like a bumper sticker. We're like, well, how do you even have self-love? Well, Self-love is really getting to know yourself and doing the uncomfortable in those moments, right? It's speaking up, it's setting a boundary, it's changing your story so you're better aligned, even if it doesn't feel, excuse me, good for somebody else, right? That's self-love. And so, like you said, that journey is more about you than anybody else. And this is really what we're doing here when you talk about this exploration is really about that. One of the pieces that I love in this journey that I work with clients is really connecting to that peace around self-empathy like what does that mean to really connect with who we are and have such a deep appreciation for this younger version of ourselves that may needed that love that we didn't get to and really loving ourselves from that place of such innocence that then all of a sudden we start to shift and be like wow I can really be okay with who I am right now I don't need to be do change to be lovable.
1: Mm. yeah I feel like the like the empathy piece really feeds in like you said before with the saboteurs perhaps they came from our childhood and like they were necessary back then but they're not necessary now so the tools of giving us you know like the the awareness through the the rubbing your finger and your uh thumb together and just being brought back to the present moment it's kind of just like constantly interrupting and realizing like you said that we don't need those anymore then kind of letting them go and mm-hmm. and that's where the empathy comes in like
0: Yes. And then it's like empathy for myself or maybe even empathy for somebody else in that moment. Because what you're really doing is shifting into what you can call like your sage or higher self. And there's three different ways you can look at a situation. It's got a situation is like a gift and an opportunity. It provides you like knowledge or it also provides you inspiration. So in each situation, like we were saying a moment ago, you can learn something about yourself, right? In that moment, Mm -hmm. you can see it as this great gift that maybe in that moment you don't see it, but it offers it to you later. Like maybe a breakup relationship all of a sudden that individual starts working out, or maybe they end up starting to journal and their journal starts to become a book. So had that breakup not happened, they wouldn't have started journaling, they would not have written that book. So there's always these gifts in all these situations we're in. So it's learning to see these um, experiences differently. And that, again, takes back our power. And I think part of it, too, is when you talk about these emotional being hijacked, part of what you want to learn in this muscle is preempting when you might be hijacked because that's key too, right? So there's one thing of like getting thrown off course, like just, oh gosh, I totally didn't feel that or notice that coming. And then there's ones where you kind of anticipate it. Like I'm sure a lot of my clients are like super anxious when they're dating, right? Their anxiety mm. kicks in. They, they get nervous. Like when's that guy going to call or when's that person going to see me again? Or what did that text mean? And so they're feeling this anxiety and so they're being emotionally hijacked. So part of it too is like preempting. So if you, know that that's something you might do, or you go on a date and you're going to start to feel attached, or you're going to get anxious of analyzing a text, then you're almost setting yourself up to find a different way to respond before the situation occurs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that shifts things.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just bringing those layers of awareness back in. Mm, okay. Wow. This is, this is really, really helpful. Thank you. Um, um, so you mentioned briefly mental fitness, for love like is is mental fitness kind of like the container of all the things you've been mentioning?
0: Yeah, I call it like your love blueprint of understanding like how we approach love, what are these saboteurs, how do we access our sage? But in that, you're really building this muscle for love. Like you're building this new muscle to respond and create a new story. And so that's exactly it. You're identifying, oh, this is when I'm going to get hijacked. Here's how I could do it differently. Or looking at a situation and being like, what's the gift in this instead of seeing negative? So maybe the guy ghosts and... And you're like devastated and you're like, oh my gosh. And so the gift might be, what's the gift? And well, when I got ghosted, I ended up reaching out to this girlfriend who was going out that night and ended up meeting one of her friends. And he was this great guy. Like there's always these gifts in it. So you're trying to learn different ways of seeing a situation, which builds that muscle. Mm. And so seeing a way of responding differently. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm, Yeah. Putting on kind of different uh, goggles, different perspectives. Yeah, totally.
0: And I think that's where we forget when it comes to dating and in a relationship we can get so insular and insular in that we're almost blaming it's the other person, the other person. But like you were saying, the more we look back and step back and do some reflecting, we get to see what parts we're playing and how we want it to be different Mm, and really take that power back.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So in our intro call, you talked a little bit about positive intelligence. Can Mm -hmm. you tell us about your journey with positive intelligence and what is it? Yeah, so it.
0: this is where this comes from. So all of the saboteurs and learning about the sage has been um, studied through what's called positive intelligence from Shurzai. and it's like a Stanford program, and it's been used a lot for like people understanding themselves in business, understanding business interactions, and so what I've really shifted is helping clients see it in their love life, like how do we strengthen this? And so when you look at how to be happy and what does happiness mean, it's really our ability to respond to situations in a positive way. And it doesn't mean they are not going to be things that aren't going to throw us off or things aren't going to go bad, but it's how do we keep reacting in a way that's more positive? And that starts to build that positive intelligence It's that intelligence part to react in a way that's more aligned to your authentic self.
1: Mm. I feel like there is, uh, I don't know about you, but certainly with me, I know there's waves of, um, waves of, of ability. Like sometimes I'm emotionally equipped to handle certain situations, And sometimes I'm not like for me, it's like if I stop exercising, that's kind of my, kind of the thing that everything hinges on. Mm. And it's not like I love exercising. I definitely don't love exercising, but I love how I feel when I exercise. And when I don't, it's kind of like my life goes down the toilet a little bit and I feel it, it has a ripple effect. So how do we, um, if we're in those moments of weakness, like for example, I recently hurt my back, couldn't exercise as much. So then my life kind of, you know, went down the drain a bit. How in those moments can we be brought back? Is it those same? Same yeah, tools? Yeah,
0: it's, it's so great. Because yes, and part of it is coming up with almost some form, like when I work with my clients, we do like a three minute um, on an app, actually, that helps them to kind of set the tone for the day. And it kind of creates this space where you're tapping into your sense of self. And it kind of gives you like that quick check in. And so I think it's like that meditative state, whether it's a long meditation, a short one, but you're doing something just to start the day to get your mind to think of things differently. And that's kind of like what you you're doing when you're working out, right? You're kind of unplugging your focused on the movement and then you kind of have that clarity so it's kind of the same idea whether it's meditation or like this app where it's like a three minute meditative moment almost a mindfulness to help you kind of set it up because there are going to be those dips that's inevitable right Mm -hmm. but it's knowing how to not dip so far or how to come back up so you're more balanced along the way and i think that's key um and i think it comes back to a lot of that self-empathy because that judge is going to make you feel so wrong oh look at there you go feeling depressed or feel like you can't make it or look at why did you even do that exercise? Like we can have that critical voice hijack us into like making us feel bad. So it's knowing how to get out of that quicker.
1: Mm. I think this is especially important today with COVID actually because I've had a lot of friends from all over the world. You know, we've had like lo- a bunch of lockdowns, so many things out of our control. Like people couldn't go to gyms so they couldn't exercise. There's so many like mental health um resources like such as you know gyms and stuff people can't access anymore so there's this this is kind of like collective heaviness of you know and and helplessness i guess because we can't do the things we need to do i guess my question around that is like in those moments where you kind of feel like it's so hopeless like i, I i'm thinking of a specific friend overseas at the moment and he was just like i was you know s- kind of worried, to be honest, for his um, physical safety. I was worried that he might, you know, might start thinking about suicide because he was that down in the dumps and he was so isolated because of COVID that I, you know, I was like, I don't even know know, how to even begin to.
0: It's tough. help you with that it totally is tough and I think in all these situations there's such extremes and so many variances along the way but what we're used to coping isn't available a lot of what it's what we're familiar with or what we lean to isn't available. And so I think, yeah, this mental fitness is building this other muscle starts to help maybe offer just an alternative that you may end up sticking with (laughs) for the long run, but it's looking for different ways to lean into something because what we're familiar with, like the gym or going outside or seeing friends or going to a social pub, right? To just being around people aren't available. So then what? And I think that's when we really are feeling that heaviness. It's like, how do we keep moving forward where we feel fulfilled and we feel that we still can be hopeful when we don't know where life is going to go. And mm-hmm. I think that's the hardest thing right now and a lot of my clients are long distance dating like they've been separated, they're partners or they thought they were eventually going to get to their partner, they can't or they're maybe dating long distance. Like, there's so many variables right now, right? And so how do you become okay with not being able to control what the world's doing to us (laughs) and Mm -hmm. how do you get to stay really present and be in that moment. I heard this great term. Have you heard of it called um, tripping? Uh, And the concept around tripping is we're tripping out because we can't plan ahead. (laughs) And so we're panicking because we're so used to like, oh, in two weeks, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go to this concert. I'm going to go camp and I'm going to see my friends. And so we can't even plan that far out, right? Into the future. And so people are tripping out because they can't pre-plan anything. And so I think everything's coming right back into really being mindful and finding the gifts in the smallest things and Mm -hmm. the good in the smallest things. And so looking at these little things. And so I find even right now, a lot of clients are struggling with dating. Like, is it even worth it? I feel so hopeless. Am I even going to find somebody? Like, I can't even meet them in person. Like, what's the point of this? I I think I'm going to be alone for so long. I'm I'm on a time clock. I want to have a baby. Like there's so much that we can't control. And it's learning like, okay, those are some of those, those are real right? Those are real statements. But how do we now not stay in that negative energy and start to find a little bit of the positive, find some of the gifts in this, find something you can learn about it. Because if we stay in that negative, it just keeps us heavier and heavier and heavier. And so it's not ignoring it. We can't dismiss it, but we don't want to stay in it. So it's like, notice the feeling, allow yourself to feel it. And then learning these muscles, these tools to shift out so you can start to have different angles on how you want to handle the situation or move through work is the
1: key. Okay, cool. Yeah. This is, I feel like this is really helpful because yeah, like you said, don't stain it. That's the, that's the thing. Right. And what was coming up for me when you're talking about this is um, obviously, I mean, it's like anything, right? If you go to a gym and you don't know how to work out, you hire a personal trainer. And if you can't find one, then you look online and you know, research. So how, how can we like, let's say we want to enlist someone's services such as yourself, but we may not have the resources to do that. How, what are some other ways, like what's some like reading material we can go to? What is some other resources that we could access?
0: Yeah. So you could definitely like, I think YouTube's amazing. <laughs> like there is so much out there. Um, you can get addicted to it. So I think there's like a YouTube resources for that um, and Googling what you're feeling, right? Like I think it's knowing that and then connecting with other people that are like-minded that don't want to stay in that negative spot. So it's maybe finding different Facebook groups or forums where they're shifting or creating a different way of thinking, especially around dating or understanding your partner. Cause like maybe you you're, you're in a relationship where you're kind of like locked in a lot and that brings your stuff up, right? When you've had space, you can manage, but when all of a sudden you're locked in and you're not used to those coping mechanisms, going to the office even, or going yeah. to see your family and you're in all time, that yeah. brings stuff up. Ah, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so you, it brings in these things. So it's like, how do we cope? And how do you create these inner spaces? I was in an article talking about how do you have your own personal space in your house when you're in a small space with your partner? And I said, maybe you create some space in your closet, right? Or maybe you have it where you have like zones for a few hours, like the living room is my zone and the bedroom is your zone for the next two hours. And no one You can't cross over until the buzzard's up, right? Like (laughs) how do you create some personal space when there really isn't any, right? Because we need it. Mm. So it's trying to figure out what are some of these ways you can cope and figure out what do you need in the moment and honoring it Mm. and speaking up for it, right? That's the biggest piece I find. And one of those saboteurs is the avoider and and that's what I am. I'm a voider. And so I will be all good going along. I'm like the cool girl in the sense, like adaptable. And then all of a sudden I'm not. (laughs) <laughs> like everybody's gonna know about it right but if I was just more comfortable of being uncomfortable with people's discomfort me speaking up I'd probably feel a lot better but that avoider in me like that saboteur is like oh be good you're fine you're so easygoing and I'm like yeah I'm too easygoing but in that right. I'm denying what I need because right. I'm like oh maybe they're, they won't like that maybe it'll be too much of a stress for him to deal with maybe it'll put him out I'm fine I can just And then all of a sudden I'm not okay with it. Right. So knowing some of these things about yourself can then help you to be able to get those needs met. And I think Mm. that's the biggest piece, right. Understanding what do we need to have our needs met?
1: Right. Right. Okay. So let's go back to these saboteurs. Where do they come from? Like where, where are a lot of them formed? Like where in our childhood, what specific kind of situations? And Yeah. Like when did they get ingrained in our
0: subconscious? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're looking at like zero to seven when it's that you're absorbing all of that at the unconscious level. And you can come from a really good childhood. Some of these saboteurs are kind of like, almost like we're born with it. They're just kind of a part of us, but they kind of get more ingrained in our environment, right? Your nurture versus nature, they kind of start to develop. And so it's different scenarios that will come. So like a controller may come from an environment where they grew up and it was really unstable. Maybe the parents were um, fighting often, not maybe like super toxic, but enough that it made that little person a little uncertain and didn't always feel safe. And so maybe they're out in the backyard a lot because they're playing because it just was quieter, right? So it doesn't have to be these extreme environments, but they're they're going to want to control to feel safe. And so that need later on it shows up or like the pleaser may have been in an environment where there's a lot of tension or wanting to be part of the siblings, right? Like not wanting to be left out. So they would do whatever it took to fit in with the siblings that were maybe a bit older. And so now in their love life, they're a people pleaser. They'll do whatever their partner needs in order to get that love and Reassurance and affirmation, and even though it's unhealthy, like they're overgiving, they're over delivering. So it comes from like that zero to seven age, um, and it doesn't have to be like I was saying, really extreme environments. It's just kind of what we learned at an unconscious level that no longer works now.
1: You know what I just thought? I was like, can you imagine how many of those saboteurs are being formed now with people in lockdown, <laughs> with children yes. in lockdown? Yeah. Because you know, oh it's so stressful as an adult dealing with yes. this pandemic. Imagine being a child. True. And I remember w- one of my friends was talking to her son and she was explaining to him that because we were in lockdown for a while and we couldn't even go to the park. And she was explaining to him that we couldn't go to the park. And she goes, remember why we can't go to the park? And he goes, yeah, because of the virus. And and I was just like, whoa, like this kid is like, you What know,
0: they're learning.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I wonder how much, you know. And also, like you said, there's space in the house. It's the same with the children. Everybody's in the house and, like, we're actually allowed out for an hour a day with your family. But – You know, other than that, there's not a lot of space. There's no, you know, there's no control for the children. So there's. it'll be
0: interesting to see what life looks like after all this, right? Like the impact. Mm. I keep thinking that maybe because it's the industry I'm in, but I just keep like, oh gosh, this is big, bigger than what we think on like a virus level. I think of all like the mental and long-term impact it'll have. It's huge. Oh,
1: totally. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. It's kind of scary when you think about it like that, isn't it?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I keep thinking, we'll find ways, We'll, we'll be able to figure this out. There'll be a gift in all of this. There's got to be, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, well, it was interesting actually. A friend of mine, I was just talking to her, he lives in New York, and um, he said, I've got an apartment that is normally three and a half grand a month and I got it for two grand because he said all the rich people are moving out of New York. And he goes, what's great about it is all of the artists will start moving back now because of the rent's so much yeah. cheaper. And he goes, it will just like rebuild the city. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, like, right. That's a, a great gift that's a gift, right? That's a yes. total gift because it'll be like back in the day where, you totally. know, I mean, New York's amazing anyway, but it's. Right. Just,
0: but you know. that's taking a situation, right? Where you could be in the saboteur of like, oh my gosh, New York and so forth, but you're looking at it. What's the gift in it or what's the, the inspiration, the inspiration that maybe more people come back, right? And, and revitalize. So it's really looking at situations in a different view in a different light. Yeah. And sometimes like when it's dark and heavy, it's hard to see that. So it's okay that you might not get that right away but knowing slowly to be able to get there is where you want to be right mm-hmm. um, because there's so much more possibility then and so much more yeah right.
1: I think it's um, kind of important as well to recognize that um, even though there is a gift in it, like even though you're seeing the gift, it doesn't mean it's necessarily what you would have chosen. Totally. Like for example, like I broke up with my partner, which is why Rebel Love started in the first place. Uh, obviously, I would have loved to have not break up, <laughs> broken up with him. <laughs> but, but I got the gift of all of, you know, this podcast and this website and, you know, that Frankly, would not have happened had we stayed together. So I'm in a totally different career path now because of it. Of course, I would have preferred the alternative, but that the reality is that didn't happen. But I still get to enjoy the gift now. Mm-hmm. That's not what I would have chosen.
0: Yeah, I love that totally. Right, and I think that's just it. That of goes back to us wanting to control our life, and we aren't in control, right? We can't be attached to the outcome. We don't always know what the outcome will be. But are we flexible to see it in different ways that it can offer it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, It was
1: was interesting. I had a a friend of mine, he said he dated somebody in Germany and, uh, I think they decided to put an end to it. And he said, he said, she's just one of those people that if you're not in her life, like if it's done, she just cuts you off. She's like, I don't dwell. I just move on. And we were both like, wow, how does she do that? Mm. (laughs) I don't know how she, and she was just like, okay, cool. Um, I've really enjoyed our time together. Thank you. That was it. No more contact, nothing no dwelling Mm. and I was just like damn how did you (laughs) such a (laughs) a switch yeah such a switch and she's just like I just I'm in the present I live in the present now is happening now if I'm thinking about yesterday I'm not in the now.
0: Hmm. Interesting, right? A totally yeah. different way of perceiving it. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. um, talking about that not long ago on another interview about how to get over a next. And I was saying, like, no contact's really powerful in order if you want to have a friendship later. <laughs> so that right. there's like that changed energy. But when you're that complete, you, yeah, you're really. It's each journey, right, of where they're at and what they need to move forward. Mm-hmm. Mm, I that, was like, how
1: did that form? Yeah, it's really, it's a really handy skill for sure. Yeah. <laughs> if you could yeah. model that and sell it, you'd be totally. rich. <laughs> Especially when you have
0: the X's that you keep wanting to go back and thinking about and replaying. Mm-hmm. So yeah, true.
1: yeah. I remember someone saying to me, I was like, what did you do this weekend? And she's like, Oh, I fell into the arms of a familiar ex. It was amazing. Right. <laughs> it was just a really lovely weekend, and I'm like, yeah, it's lovely in the moment, but then it's like, it's dangerous too, because you're like, why did yes. why did it end in the first place? Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so true. And then it puts you back in the story of like, mm-hmm. did I do something wrong? What's wrong with them? Yeah, mm-hmm. it keeps you really sometimes stuck.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've definitely been in that stuck
0: moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: All right. Let's talk about, we're um, um, actually, we're about to wrap up, but I just want to ask like back to the saboteurs. I know this is kind of like a, an obvious question, but I want to hear what you have to say. How can being in control of our saboteurs impact our life positively once we kind of start doing these exercises and build that, um, yeah. that muscle, the mental fitness muscle? Yeah. It's
0: such a good question. Um, like I said, one of mine is the avoider. And so because I now can see it, I can start to identify when... I am denying what I need in order to avoid a difficult conversation. My other one's a pleaser. So my pleaser will go above and beyond to try to get that love, try to get that affirmation, the acknowledgement at a cost of overgiving, which then results in me being resentful, like really resentful. So it's now that I can identify it, same with my other clients, like the ones that are like the hyperachiever or into the victim. Once you can start to identify what yours are, You'll know what you need then to have your needs met so that you're not always being hijacked. Or if you do get hijacked by a saboteur, you're not staying there. And you can see the patterns. Like when I identified that I was as pleased, I was like, oh, that explains when I was in this new, new relationship, I did his laundry like month two. And I thought, oh my God, he's going to think how great I am. Look, I'm doing his laundry. What a great woman. He's going to think I'm such a catch. Uh, No, that's like total mothering turn off energy. But in my mind, my saboteur is like, yeah, you should do it. Like you'll totally get the love you want now. And so looking back, I'm like, oh my goodness, what was I thinking? But I wasn't. I was in that whole entire saboteur pleaser. So once you start to know what yours are, you can kind of see patterns that you can start to change or you can recognize how to not be in them as much, right? Mm -hmm. And what you need instead. So I think it really gives back your power and then it really helps you to start acting accessing your siege and this part of you that's a lot more in control of your authentic self and, and getting these needs met in a healthy way.
1: <laughs> yeah. And not getting angry about it. Um, I had I had a partner who was really, really good at that. He just, he wouldn't, he'd never get angry. Mm. He'd just be very firm. This is this is what's happening. Mm. And and I'd always try to <laughs> convince him. I'm like, well, what if we did this? Well, what if we did that? Right. And he'd be like, Talia, no, not happening. And he'd never get angry. He'd never get angry. He was very in control, but he'd be like, mm-mm not happening.
0: Yeah. And that would trigger me. Like that would trigger me because that would be like, no, we're having a discussion. No, no, we're this like, I pushed back. Right. Cause I can already feel the trigger.
1: Well, so it, was more, it was more to do with like, I wanted him to do something and he didn't want to do it. So it's not like, and it wasn't like, things that that were really up for this. it wasn't like a communal thing it was more a thing of like I wanted him to do something and he didn't want to do it but he'd Got never it. get angry you know how some people just yeah. get angry when you start talking about them they're like oh and then it's like the whole vibe of the conversation changes I just loved that he was so able to be firm in his
0: position yes. without being yeah. you know, an angry pants about totally. it but do you see why I'm triggered so that triggers me because my pleaser in me isn't firm Like I'm the opposite. I will always adjust and loosen my boundaries to make someone else happy. So when someone's so firm, I'm Mm. like, what do you mean? You're not going to adjust your boundaries for me. I would do it for you, right? Right. But it's unhealthy that I'm doing it. He's more probably in that healthy, so clear on what he's willing or yeses and noes. And I'm not. So I'm triggered because I actually need to be more like that. I need to step into being more clear and more firm and being okay that someone's upset like myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I wasn't, <laughs> I don't know if I was necessarily upset, but I was just like, Oh, I really wanted what I wanted. Yeah, what and, and yeah. And you're so used to people, yeah, like kind of bending over backwards or adjusting. Mm-hmm. I really love that. Adjusting their boundaries to accommodate you when the whole point of a boundary is that here's the yeah, boundary, you know? Totally, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it's those kind of moments. to be a boundary.
0: Yeah. And those yeah. are so great when you notice the trigger, right? Like, and you can be like, why am I so upset in this moment? What's upsetting me? Why am I like, like when we talk about what are your triggers, sometimes you don't know, but a question you can ask is, why am I upset with this. Why is this bugging me? <laughs> right. He was, yeah. he was just calm. He was clear. And so why is this pissing me off? Well, maybe because I'm not good at this or I'm so used to bending and he's not bending for me. And this means something that if he loved me, he would. And so right. it's this whole idea of like getting to explore what's underneath it.
1: Yeah. I love that. Like, that's that story, right? You t- start telling yourself this story. Yes. And like you said before, that's when it gets really, really dangerous. You start telling yourself this story and you're like, hang the second. That's not what he said that's not what happened. There's no evidence of that. You're just making this story up in your head and yeah. now you're treating that person in that way as if they've done that thing in your story. And it's like, but they haven't done that totally. thing in your story.
0: Oh my gosh. So mm. true. Yeah. And that's like, that's the awareness piece. That's the muscle starting to develop, right? To know, am I in story? Um, one of my favorite lines I use is the story I'm telling myself right now. And I get my clients all the time to practice that, whether they're dating in a new relationship been together forever. So he's late or like he said, no, the story I'm telling myself is you're saying no because you really don't love me and you don't care about my feelings or you're late. The story I'm telling myself is you didn't care to call me because I was low priority to you. Like whatever the scenario is, it creates space for clarity and it stops the story from that moment on. Because otherwise I'll keep, like you said, building a story and responding from my story instead of from truth.
1: Mm, instead of what actually happened. Yeah. And and the reality of the situation in that scenario as well is a lot of people just aren't aware, aren't aware that they would need to call, mm. you know, and say, Oh, I'm running late. And and mm-hmm. I guess the the way the way you can communicate that is, hey, like um, you know, you just ask. Hey, if you're running late, do you mind just? Yeah,
0: because the story I'm telling myself is that you don't care. Mm. <laughs> He'll be like, no, of course I care. I was late. I was running. I was distracted or the call went on and I didn't want to interrupt the call to call you. And I'm like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, of course. And then the other line I love giving my clients is I know your intention is good and right like I know you meant well or I know your intention was well and this hurt my feelings and this bothered me right because when we're with somebody our intention is to be with someone that is a good person we're not dating assholes on purpose we're intentionally dating (laughs) nice people so you're going to assume their intention is the best and we're just having some miscommunication breakdown
1: Mm, Yeah. Oh man, Nicole, this has been so helpful. Thank you so much. Where can people, if they want to find you, where can they get in touch with you?
0: Yeah, you can find me at Nicole Talks Love. And if you're curious to know what your saboteurs are, what your your top two are amongst your judge, there's a link and you're more than welcome to check it out and I'll I'll help you understand it better.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. It has been a pleasure having you as always. Um, And for everybody listening, you can find all the links mentioned in this episode at rebellove.com forward slash EP33. Thanks again, Nicole. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Rebel Love Podcast. The podcast about love, sex, relationships, and money. If you like this episode, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform and find all the details of this episode and more at rebelove.com forward slash podcast.